Good morning. We are in Psalm 19 today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, open them up. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and they'll get one to you. Quite a few today. Keep your hand up. Val and Alex maybe can get those out to you. Or Beth. So Psalm 19. We'll read the psalm and then we'll go back over and discuss it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May these words of my mouth and these meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Once again, we need to remember that these are songs. And they're songs of life. They're songs that are inspired by things that take place in David's life. Remember, David was a shepherd. He used to sit out on the fields, looking up at the sky, looking up at the stars, and those things that would inspire him. I know we're in the city. We look up and we see neon. We see the glow. You know, maybe you see the school if they're having Friday night over there, and we don't see too many stars. We get some cool sunsets because of the smog. We've got a lot of colors in there, those kinds of things. But the, these sceneries prompted David. These events of his life motivated him to songs. And you guys have songs like that. Songs that, oh, this is my song that, you know, celebrates life or this is my breakup song, you know. Right now my breakup song is by the script. You know, when a heart breaks, it doesn't break even. I'm not breaking up, but if I were, if Corrine were to dump me, that would be my song right now. I'm not anticipating anything like that, but <laughs> she's laughing at me back there. You know, you get songs and they just key in on certain events in your life. And they prompt you to an emotion. I can remember when I was younger, sometimes, and... We climbed Mount Whitney, a group of us. 
And it was amazing. It's the highest mountain in the continental United States, I think. Is that right? Yeah, that is. So I was on top of the world as far as the United States was concerned at one point. And I remember going out, we pitched our tent at this one place and I had to use the restroom. There were none, but there's bushes and things like that. And I walked outside of my tent and I looked up and there was this blanket of white that I didn't realize has always been there. There were so many stars, it was scary. I'm serious. I looked up and I said, oh my gosh. I just felt very, very, very small. It's like, I didn't know all those were there. Just give me five or 10. I can handle that. But when I see millions of stars and it's just bright, it's like, oh my gosh. And it took my breath away and it literally kind of terrified me. It gave me this awe. And David is speaking of this as he talks about the heavens declaring the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. And I want to try and give you guys an understanding of how vast the heavens are. And when he means the heavens, it's plural, because he's not only talking about stars and planets, he's also talking about the clouds and the things that are much closer. But here's a little idea. I've done this before. It's kind of fun. Okay. Class, this is the earth right here. It's the one that you all know of. And just to give you an idea, here is the proportion of the earth compared to some of the other planets. We have Venus, Mars, Mercury, Pluto, which actually isn't a planet. So erase that one. It's no longer there, even though in my mind, it's still a planet but they say it's not. I don't know how they can tell. It feels gypped. Okay, so we go on, and now we get an idea of this is the Earth right here now compared to Jupiter, Saturn. Kind of bummed it doesn't have the rings. That was my favorite place. And the other planets. And now we see how big the Earth really is compared to the other planets in our galaxy. Well, what about to the sun? Here is our sun. An idea proportionately, right there is the earth. That's the dot right there. You would swat it if it was on this place any other time. But that's the size of our sun, and this is the size of the earth. To give you a little perspective. And so you think, wow, we're really small. We ain't seen nothing yet. This is our sun. In proportion to other suns, Cyrus, Pollux, and this other one, Arcturus. The earth is invisible now. We are too small to be seen comparatively. And so just getting an idea, this is the sun compared to this sun. So now you get an idea of how small the earth is. Hold on, we're not done. This now is our sun. It's a pixel, basically, one pixel compared to these other suns that we saw. And this are other suns still or other stars still even still. So we couldn't even see our earth the last time around. You can barely see our sun this time around. And it just goes on and on. And now imagine that there are millions of these out there. Just to give you perspective, when you look up in the stars and say, oh, how pretty, do you realize how vast? Do you realize how just impressive this really is? We can lose wonder. 
we can lose this understanding of how vast things are and, and how small we are. And you see, this isn't supposed to make you feel insignificant. What this is supposed to do is fill you with wonder, to put you in awe of the one who designed all this. You know, I always think it's amazing. You know, people have so many fears, you know, afraid of spiders. I'm, a, I'm afraid of closed spaces. I'm afraid of crowds. You know what you need to be afraid of? You need to be afraid of you're a little speck floating around with all these billions of things flying around you. I mean, oh my gosh, if you want to be insecure, well, we won't go there. For some of you already are insecure. I mean, we're living in this place where there is so much happening that we, we just take for granted. I mean, thank goodness we're rotating at the proper speed that we can stand up and, and move. Thank goodness the sun is just the right distance away. A little further, we'd be frozen. A little closer, we'd be gone. Thank goodness planets and meteors aren't crashing into us except in the movies. But this is where we live, and it's orchestrated so that we can have life here and look up and go, oh, how pretty. But it's more than pretty. What it's doing is declaring the glory of God. It's proclaiming the works of his hands. It's shouting out how great God is. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Every day, there's something amazing to behold. There's this constant wonder that's taking place. You know, they'll have meteor showers and you get to go up the mountains and watch them. Things like that are are happening all the time. Even down in Vizcaino, there were just some amazing sunsets. And the moon, one night, it was just full and through the clouds. It was just beautiful. Or in the morning, because we had to get up at a god-awful hour early in the morning and start driving back. And as the sun starts coming up over the mountains, just the beautiful colors with the mountain and crisp and clean because there's nothing out there that would cause smog except us driving our cars through there, just the few that are there. And it's just amazing. And that changes every day. It's like God's up there and he gets his paintbrush and he does this and goes, oh, that's great. Ah, oh, wait till you see tomorrow. She gets the Etch-a-Sketch kind of things, shakes it up, and just starts over. Day after day, night after night, he's got something glorious going on. And we just think, oh, oh that's nice. Oh, look at the moon today. Oh, that's pretty. It's happening all the time. All the time. It's declaring. It's proclaiming. You see, and it's proclaiming, even though it doesn't have speech and doesn't use words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth it's proclaiming these things not to the ear but to the eye and to the heart to the soul and you guys have been there where you've seen something and it takes your breath away it's just oh that's incredible that's glorious that's the work of god that's just him doing what he does that's him painting that picture And the Lord does things like that. And he does it for a purpose. And Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, 
His eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And, and this is leading us to the point where we are understanding that not only is it saying something, it's saying something about God and it's saying something about who he is. Paul in Romans talks about us being held accountable to the knowledge that God is there and that God has a requirement for our life just by the things that we see, how creation takes place. There's another passage in Romans chapter 10. Turn with me there. Verses 16 to 18. Paul writes, But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. I like this translation. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. And he quotes the same psalm. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. And you see, what Paul is now saying is that the knowledge of Christ has been revealed because God has been revealed. Many times people have this understanding and recognition of God. They, they recognize there must be God. Look at the amazing beauty of creation. Not only the beauty, look at the design. The complexity of, of a human eye or how things work. It just happens that we need oxygen to, to live. And so there are these things called trees that produce, yes, I'm scientific, uh, that produce oxygen. But these trees need carbon dioxide to survive, which happens to be what comes out of us after we intake the oxygen. And it's this great process. And, and a lot of people see God, but it's almost like they see the back of God. They can only see him walking away. They don't have an understanding except vague. And that takes place in, in all types of religions as well. You know, think of the truth of God being kind of like this glass ball, but when it's broken and shattered in a fallen world, these little pieces of who he is wind up in all these different belief systems. And sometimes what we need to do is try and sew those back together so that they can get a clearer picture of who God is. And then when you do get a clearer picture, a clearer picture, when he finally turns around, what you see is Jesus. What you see is the person of God in this man, Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that you had knowledge of who he was and he is here. You're accountable because he was pointing to him all along. And when people say, well, you know, I believe in God, but I don't really believe in Jesus. Well, then they don't have an accurate picture of God because the most clear picture of who God is, is the person of Jesus. That is how we can most clearly understand who he is. And that's what Paul is telling them right here. They should have known because God stepped among them and everything was pointing to who he was. Even Jesus said, 
search the scriptures. You think that you have eternal life, but they are that which talk about me. He is the revelation, the understanding of who God is. Turn to Acts chapter 17. Another place where Paul talks about God working through the creation. 17 verse 24 through 28. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And so Paul is telling the people there in Athens that God is visible, that God is able to be known. In fact, he is all around you. In him, we live, we move, we have our being as your own poets have said. You see, God has already revealed himself to you and your own poets know it. He goes on and declares that it was revealed through the person of Jesus Christ who died and rose again from the dead. And here is this understanding that God is always speaking. God is always proclaiming. God is always giving evidence of the reality of who he is. And so many times we want to have this apologetical answer. We need to be able to have this reason that we have to be able to answer every question. And I don't have the answer to every question. There are people much too smart for me. But you see, I don't have to have the answer for every question because God is speaking. I think it's funny that people are trying to find questions to disprove God. If he's not there, what do you need to talk about it for? Just ignore it. He's not there. No, no, I've got to prove that he's not there. Why do you have to prove that something's not there? Because something keeps telling me that he is. Something keeps speaking to me saying he's there. Something keeps proclaiming the reality of he is, that he's there. And so I have to keep up making up things to say, no, he's not, no, he's not, no, he's not. And he's there going, I'm here. No, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. It's me again. No, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. He's constantly proclaiming these things and they can't get away from it. And it's funny that they feel that they have to try. We have to give an answer to this. And they can't. And he talks about the sun going and, and making its circuit. It rises from one end of the heavens, make its circuit to the other. And he gives this description about heaven. And then in verse 7, there's a change. And it almost seems like he, he's just talking about something else. Because then he goes on and he talks about the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Well, what happened to the creation declaring and the glory of God and the Son and all these things? Well, he was talking about this outward 
recognition of God, but now he's moved to this internal understanding about God. And so he's looked at the things that we can see, the things that are out there that are visible, that are talking to us, but now he's talking about the things that are actually within us and are speaking to us. And these are the ones that speak the loudest. Oh yeah, the creation is amazing. It's awesome, awesome, awe-inspiring and awesome at the same time, making my own words as I go along. It's incredible. It'll take your breath away, but it's not the loudest voice. The loudest voice actually comes from within us. It's the voice of God in our soul. It's our soul crying out to its maker. You see, your soul knows what you need probably before your mind does. And so now the psalmist goes and he starts talking about this inward voice and how God speaks to us. And he says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. I love this. When you think of something that's perfect, maybe it was a sunset. Maybe it was when your babies were born. And you look at them and you think, they're perfect. Of course, only you think your babies are perfect. Everyone else thinks they're smashed and kind of funny looking. But you think your baby is perfect. And you see them and it's just amazing. When you think of this idea of perfection, how many of you would think of the law of God? And when he means the law, he's not talking just about the commands of Moses. When he's talking about the law, it's not just that. It's the doctrine of who God is that's been revealed throughout Scripture. When you think of perfect, do you think of the law of God? But you see, there's something about perfection that should cause us to be able to relax. It's when the artist finishes painting and he says, that's perfect. Don't touch it. If you touch it, you will ruin it. It doesn't need anything else. It's complete just as it is. It's not lacking anything. And you can stand back and go, yes, it's a masterpiece. And the psalmist says, the law of God is perfect. And knowing this perfection refreshes my soul. Knowing that there is something that is perfect, there is now something I can run to. That's something I can trust in. Oh my gosh. How much do we need to have something we can trust in? Do you trust politicians? Do you trust people? trust your job you trust your car not as much as i used to but you can trust put faith in the law of god what he says it's perfect it's not lacking anything you can lean on it you can rest on it you can find refuge in it and you can be refreshed because it doesn't lack anything He says the statutes, those things that are proclaimed in it, 
of the Lord are trustworthy. And it says making wise the simple. And I like that. Make wise the simple. What does he mean simple? Yeah, that's you. (laughs) The simple, those who don't have understanding. You see, I'm not a, a real educated person. I don't have a doctorate. You're saying, we know. And so I can get very intimidated by these people who have so much learning, so much education. But I've seen people with so much education do such stupid things, make such stupid decisions and ruin their lives. Now, it doesn't have to be educated people. Simple people do the same thing. And it's amazing. It doesn't matter how much you learn. You can still be stupid and make a dumb decision that brings havoc to your life. But, you see, the statutes of God, these understandings, they're trustworthy. And if you do these things, even if you're simple, you will be wise. You want to have a life that shows wisdom, follow the statutes that God has proclaimed. You can trust them. They're going to lead you to the right place. You know, my kids, I I hate to use them for examples, but they're such good examples. Uh, (laughs) You know, when they were younger, we we have one child, we'll call him the golden child, and then we have the others. And I remember when the golden child, you know, we didn't have to worry about him because he didn't do things that we had to worry about. He had good friends. He he wasn't, yeah, he did some stupid things, but it wasn't something we would worry about. So he'd say, I'm going to go to so-and-so's house. And we'd say, okay. And I wouldn't worry about it. Then the other child would say, I'm going to go to so-and-so's. No, you're not. What time are you going to be back? Why does he get to go and I don't? Because you're going to do something stupid. How do you know? Because you did yesterday and the day before and the day before that and for the last three years. And you see, with this wisdom of how to live came this freedom. And with making the wrong choice, Choices came this, no, I got to watch out for you because I'm going to get sued by someone because of you or something. You're, you're not 18 yet and I'm responsible and you've already totaled two of my cars. No, you can't have another one. Sorry, did that come out? Um, <laughs> you see, but... Following the statutes of God, they make wise the simple. And all of a sudden, you know, you take those things that you did, you know, as a teenager, and if they continue on in your life, pretty soon you find that there's not much wisdom there. The wisdom actually comes from taking just a time, taking a moment to recognize that God is speaking, you can trust what he says, and it's good for your life. That if you listen to it, instead of just, whatever is going on inside of you, your desires, those passions that aren't being controlled, you can make some stupid 
mistakes that will be detrimental to you and to those around you. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. You see, who thinks of commands as being radiant? Radiant. It brings light to the eyes. No, they're commands. They bring change to my life. Don't, is it just me? Is that how I think of commands? You know, when I hear a command, you try to con- constrain me. No one controls me. I'm a free person. You, no one judges me but God. Exactly. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Verses 9 through 11. Actually, you don't have to turn. I've got it written there for you. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we would look at God's commands as being a light to our paths, even as the psalm says, your word is a light to my feet. If we would take that and understand that this is really what our life needs, and we see it in people's lives, don't we? We see people who are doing well, and it's because they're living well. And it's not doesn't have anything to do with how much money they have or their status. It has to do with how they live. You see, if you are loving your wife, you're going to have a good relationship and a good marriage. It's not rocket science. It's how God wants us to live. You see, but if you're deceitful and if you're dishonest, guess what? You're not going to have good relationships. And it's going to add up in the end. Again, this is not hard. It's obvious. And it's what the scriptures have declared. These are God's commands that you would love your wife as Christ loved the church. That you would be honest. That you would... Think of others more important than yourself. These are just God's commands. But what they are is enlightening. They're radiant. They bring light to us. And that light gives light to our eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. It goes back to perfection. Knowing that something is going to be done right means more to me now than it's ever meant before. Because whatever happens in my life, whatever happens in my children's life, whatever happens in your life, whatever judgment is going to come from God, I have confidence that it's right. It may be hard. It may hurt. It may bring tears. It may bring sorrow, but it's right. And I think sometimes what we want to do is just make things easy, especially for our kids. We don't want them to have to pay for the things that they do, and so we try and 
you know, skirt things around. I, I know we have this one neighbor and their son is still there at the house. I don't know how old he is, 30 maybe, or coming up to it. He's an older kid. Um, and the police have been there, I don't know how many times. And there have been fights there. It's like, oh, something's happened at the neighbor's house. This is going on. And, and one time, sure enough, they were screaming, they were yelling. So, you know, you kind of go out there to see what's going on, if it's coming your way or not, uh, if your kids are out there or not. And I remember going there and I know this person and I know their parents and I pretty much kind of knew the situation. And as I got there and I asked, you know, the mom, is everything okay? I could see her mind thinking and she goes, and, and this person did this and this person did this. And she's trying to make excuses for her son so that he won't get arrested again because maybe it's strike three, I don't know. And I'm just thinking, you know what? He, I feel like saying, he probably did it. <laughs> I'm not going to, but you know, you, you just kind of know the situation. And we want to try and save them from what they deserve. And we think it's right. But ultimately, when it all comes to the end, and when we all breathe our last, and when there is a judgment of our lives, we will be able to sit back and say, God, you were right, and what you did was right. And no one cares more than God. No one loves more than God. No one tries harder than God to reach people. But when he finally brings the gavel down, when it comes to a time of justice, his decrees, they're firm and they're right. We need to understand that. Going on, we've got to finish this. They are more precious than gold, much pure gold, and sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned, and keeping them, there is great reward. Oh, if we would listen. If we would really value these things. But we value the wrong things. We all do. We value the things that don't last and devalue the things that should be important to us. And turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Well, how do you store up things in heaven? By listening to the laws of God, by listening to his statutes, by fearing him, by trusting his judgments, by pleasing him with your life, doing the things that he wants. You're, you're storing up treasure. You're investing in things that can't be taken away. And, and if we would value these things more than gold, if we would see that they're sweeter than honey. You know, the, the best things that have happened in my life have been the times when I have been so unaware of myself. Remember Michael posted recently that he heard Miles laugh for the first time and he said it was the most glorious thing, or Michael's term, it was the most glorious thing I've ever heard in my life. 
And I can remember those little laughs just echoing and it like, oh man, this is just, this is wonderful. You see, I had so little thought of myself at that time. It was all about, oh, this baby. Just love them. And it was this pouring out, this selflessness that gives. And it was so sweet. But something happens and we become selfish and we invest in the wrong things and we want the wrong things for ourselves. And if we would just see how God wants better things for us, see how sweet they really are, that they are more value, then there would be great reward in keeping them. Verse 12, but who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Oh, this one's good. I don't have time. Uh, There are things you know that you know. There are things you know you don't know. Like, I know I don't know how to fly a plane, so I'm not even going to try. But there are things you don't know that you don't know. Other people might know them, but you don't recognize them. There are things in your own life that you are blind to. And some of those things need to be made aware. But you can't make yourself aware of them because you don't know. But God can. God can reveal truths about you to yourself that are good. Again, sometimes the scriptures help to do that. It it is like looking in a mirror and saying, oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, you really are a selfish person. Yeah, you really are self-centered. You you really are very prejudiced. You really are uh, mean. You're very proudful. And those are things maybe you didn't see, but God can reveal them to you. And so David says, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Do you recognize that sins rule over us? You don't control yourself if you give yourself. And we've all seen this. You know, the person who goes out drinking and they're in control, pretty soon that drink becomes in control. Pretty soon they're out of control. What's controlling them? It's the drink or the drugs or, you know, the pornography or the whatever it is. Shopping. Okay. Just thought I'd throw that one in there too. Keep your servant from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. In other words, God, if you can reveal the truth inside of me, I can keep myself from these things. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock, my redeemer. The idea is, Lord, I want to connect my life to the truth of who you are. You are glorious. You've created the heavens. They are awesome. You have done things I cannot imagine. You have given me instruction that is divine. If I could just connect my life to who you are, I would be good. And you see, this is something that we need to constantly have in our thoughts and in our mind. Where is my life going? What is the direction? And where am I to the God who created me? And where is my life in 
line with the God who's given us understanding and instruction? How is it measuring up? Because I want to have a life that is complete. I want to have a life that is able to rest and have peace. How? Well, you see, his law, it's perfect. His precepts, they're right all the way. You can trust them. Fear of the Lord, pure. Keeping them is great reward. More precious than gold, sweeter than honey. Help God reveal our true hearts and selves so that we can live in line with what and who you are. Let's have a song. (laughs) Perfect timing. Let's pray. Lord, I see trees of green. No, I... (laughs) Lord, if we would have a moment of clarity, recognize who we are in light of who you are, if we would begin to get a glimpse of your majesty and then recognize that not only have you created things that are too big for us to comprehend, but you have taken such time to reveal within the core of who we are the truth of who you are. You have given us instruction, commands, your laws. Lord, that's amazing. You speak into our souls. And just as the heavens declare who you are, our own hearts confirm it. Lord, but we don't listen. We don't see. We are blind and we are deaf to you in so many ways. And so we ask that you would reveal this blindness and this foolish heart that we have, that you would keep us from this willful sin, that we would want what connects us to you more than we want gold, more than we want food. What connects us to you connects us to life. And if we would just recognize that, maybe then we could have the lives that we really dream about. Maybe then we would have the lives that would really be fulfilling instead of falling over our own feet over and over and over again. Lord, before us is this opportunity to choose, to see, to listen, and to desire what you have for us. May our lives want what is good. May we desire what is healthy for our souls. And may our lives produce the healthy lives that come from living the understanding of who you are and what you desire for us. Lord, may we listen to your voice as it speaks 
to us. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.